0: Thank you for joining us today at Miniature Wargaming Labs a podcast. I'm James, and today I am joined by Julian of Enemy Spotted Studios. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing wonderful. How are you?
0: Uh Doing just fine. Um, Julian, I wanted you on because you are an American-based small miniature company, and you have a Kickstarter coming up, um, which I know myself and some of the people, um, my brother is excited about it, this idea of a... Uh, you know, near future um, war game, because you can never have too many skirmish war games here. Um, but I wanted to ask you, uh, how did you get started in miniature war gaming? What's your origin story?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I was very big into uh, model vehicle kits and a friend of mine's father was very into Napoleonics and like, I don't know, the micro scale, like the obnoxiously small scale. <laughs>
0: The six Um, mil, like blobs of lead.
1: Yeah, it's kind of wild. Um, Anyways, he took us to The Source, which is a larger gaming store, kind of a comic book store up here in Minneapolis area. And I saw some AT43, I believe, miniatures um, and loved them. I love toys. I love model kits. Super into army stuff when I was, I don't know, 10 or 11. It was like kind of the cool thing. Loved them and jumped in uh, buying some of them. Realized the game's really complicated. Just pushed them around for a while. That's how i really got into it and then kind of got serious when i found out about warhammer when i was about 13 or 14. uh semi learned the rules and kind of stayed from there for a bit uh then i found girls uh military and college and it all kind of dropped to the wayside before i went off to college um we found infinity the game i think it was back in n1 so oh, we were wow. probably the first people in minnesota i i know minnesota for sure to be playing infinity n1 and uh, you know, play a little bit of that, got a little community going, about four or five guys, went off to school, military, and uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of how I found it, left it all behind.
0: So was there, when you look at your models, you definitely have a bend toward um, modern, the ultra modern, like the present day. Um, when you were starting playing, did you just grab what games were available or did you always wish, gosh, I wish I could play these with modern day soldiers?
1: Yeah, so I started with Warhammer as my main game and then transitioned into Infinity. It's obviously both very science fiction-based universes. Infinity's Corvus Belly um, designs are very kind of cyberpunky, kind of high, high-tech sci-fi looking, while Warhammer's obviously the uh, very spooky, grim, dark, everything's evil and bad. <clears throat> but my time in the military, I really learned, um, you know, about operational strengths and actual training, logistics, purposes, stuff like that. And even when I was in high school playing these games with my friends, I was playing military simulators and learning about, you know, how combat's actually conducted. And kind of growing weary of, you know, a space marine would just fall through the house or the floor of a house. You know what I mean? Just kind of (laughs) stuff like that. Like, you couldn't actually maneuver around a lot of battlefields. You would just sink into the mud. Uh, So as I progressed, I got a little more uh, into that. Uh, But the war games were strictly fantasy to me. And I never really wished for a modern war game. Until I kind of came back from uh, officer candidate training and after leading some actual troops, uh, I was really kind of hankering for modern scale and realistic, more realistic war games out there. So it took a while, but I got there.
0: Well, at, at what point did you decide that um, I want to make my own miniatures? Because normally there's either um, you identify like a gap in the market or you say, I wish I could buy this. I'm going to go ahead and make it for myself and my friends.
1: Yeah, I gotta be real with you. Uh, I ran a little gaming YouTube channel for about a year, got it about 5, I think we're at 4,500 subscribers, focusing primarily on Infinity the Game, and realized, you know, this isn't doing it for me. It's kind of the wrong crowd um, for what I wanna be playing. A very competitive focus kind of game where it's built around tournaments, unfortunately. I'm not super into that. And then I realized also a large part of it is the model design. You know, coming from the military, you know, you. Turn your body armor towards people when you're shooting at them. <laughs> Infinity games got kind of wild poses, and I'm not bashing it. That's definitely like its thing, but you know, I just couldn't appreciate stuff like that. So I kind of branched out, found some other games, and then realized their models aren't sufficient either. And then, um, like going back to District Nine when it was released way back, I think 2012. I watched it, so I was I think I was like 13. 12 or 13, when I watched District 9, which had a huge influence on my kind of design aspects and uh, design schooling. And I was like, I'm just going to make my own models. I want some near future kind of visible stuff. You know, I didn't even have game, uh, plans for a game at the time. I just wanted to start making my own models. Found out about 3D printing, rapid prototyping, contacted some companies, picked up 3D sculpting, uh, found some people to mentor me on that, as well to, as taking a lot of online courses. I was like, man, I just want some, you know, badass dudes that actually carry their ammunition and uh, throw some sci-fi elements in there, and we're good to go.
0: No intention
1: on selling any of it, and then uh, people started really liking it, and I transitioned that YouTube channel into what we have today, which is Enemy Spotted Studios, which our primary focus, of course, is uh, supporting the fight against veteran suicide. I guess you did ask me if we should focus on anything. I would like to focus on that. We do support Mission 22 and other veteran suicide kind of awareness foundations with 10% of our sales, and oftentimes more than that when anything comes up and you can also donate through the site and I'll match it. That's a big thing for me as I did lose a couple of friends to that. And that was a major influence for starting the actual business side of it. So a little side tangent there, but
0: yeah, no, I, I understand. I, I graduated in Oh one. So most of my brother rats who we commissioned were uh, lieutenants mm-hmm. when everything started and you could, uh, I would say by the transition from the third to the fourth tour, you could see a lot of them start to uh, start to break.
1: Yeah, it's incredibly unfortunate, very sad, and very very real.
0: Well, that that's a worthy cause. I'm glad to hear that. Um, so let me let me ask you: There's, I've noticed with some people playing ultra modern, there's a sense of is this too soon? Um, there's, I know some people don't like playing World War II games. That's why there's this focus on. Like Infinity or Warhammer's, like, you know, this is not real. Like, I'm okay playing like Roman legions a couple thousand years ago. Okay, we can let that go. But playing something that's actually like happening now, because we've had like um, Carl Titterington with uh, Contact Front, I mean, with his Afghanistan game. It's like, I knew people who were there. Yeah, exactly. So, and I'll be meeting up with them pretty soon. <laughs> but so it's like this idea of like, how do you game? something where you have like a personal connection to it and not that old of a connection.
1: Yeah, so quite honestly, um, you know, a lot of the stuff is created solely for myself and any close friends of mine and anybody that kind of finds attention with it or uh some kind of bond even through the online media where you know I use a lot of phrasing and terminology with my own personality which unfortunately seeps into my like dating life sometimes where I'm like yeah, you know, let's get some you know, this is killer, badass, kind of that active, kind of almost like speaking. Uh, It's a very personal brand that attaches itself, and I think that is how I draw the right people in. So if somebody does come in and say like, oh, ultra modern is too real or too close to what's happening, they're gonna be immediately pushed away by not only the content, but also probably by my personality. So I don't really have to worry about too much negative kind of feedback on that end. And when it comes to my designs and creation, rather than the content, which I just spoke about, I tend to make very general designs. Like, I do have Wagner Mercenaries, for example, on the website. But I mean, it's a branding kind of name. They're big dudes, sleeveless, with you know, 50 cal assault rifles. It's not like they're actually doing bad things. It's kind of a separation from it. And that's where that near future element, especially for Kill Wager, comes into play. So Kill Wager could be played as an ultra modern or a near future game just because of the semblance of technology and how the, the system actually plays out. Just depends on what models you want to use and if you want to keep it more of a storyline setting with something you're familiar with. So I don't really focus on the story that's current times, just uh, more of a familiar situations that you might have that might also be occurring today.
0: Well, so that's interesting because I noticed, um, I think you're the only company that really specifically makes like uh, Wagner group uh, models like uh, for that. And that, that's a very niche thing. Not many people are familiar um, in the general public with what Wagner group is as like a
1: small, is that how you say it down there?
0: Wagner? Uh, that's how I've heard it pronounced by other people. I've, I've heard it both ways, honestly. Yeah, yeah, so see, I've,
1: I've always heard Wagner, so that's interesting.
0: Yeah, well, it's got an interesting relationship with Germans. Uh-huh. So I don't know, because like the guy who owns the company, his name isn't Wagner
1: Yeah. or
0: Wagner. I don't know why they picked that name. So. Sorry,
1: <laughs> let's, 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 this is too current for me. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I was interested in it because you can find them from what, like Syria to like Cameroon. So they're all throughout like the med area, yeah, exactly. um, maybe uh, Venezuela, but uh, it, it's one of those things. It's like, well, this is a very niche thing and I like finding those ultra modern niche products. So how did you go around selecting like what models are you going to that you wanted to make first? that was actually like a fascinating choice and i like this guy knows what uh wagner group is
1: yeah so i have a big focus on keeping things real world um as as close as possible to real life stuff from the poses to the gear everything about it that's a huge thing for enemy spotted studios is accuracy and the main reason why i started creating these models well, i like to joke about you know nobody carrying ammo and in infinity but like that is a huge thing is actual gear setups weight limits where you're going to be positioning your gear on the models and if i could transition that into an actual unit it's even better while they might not be using exactly standardized gear, that is because of their kind of corporate structure or maybe less than standardized or irregular formatting. As you mentioned, they are kind of everywhere. And that allows me not only the flexibility with the design of it, but also to keep it tied in the real world and do some unique designs out there. I mean, they're big sleeveless dudes with you know, 50 cal assault rifles, as I mentioned. I think that's kind of a badass design to go with. So it's fun, realistic, and has a tie into the real world that is, as you mentioned, niche.
0: Well, so, um, as you push forward and you're looking to expand, um, the line, well, we'll do kilowater a little bit later, but let's just say like, uh, the today, like, um, 2018 to 2025, how do you plan on like expanding out? Like, what are you going to select as you, uh, increase your SKUs? I mean, do you have an idea that like, I'm never going to carry this, this many SKUs cause my garage isn't big enough. Um, I don't have enough space for molds. Um, how do you decide what's going to be next?
1: Yeah, so SKU amount doesn't really affect me. I outsource a lot. Our casting facility is outsourced, and you know our office can hold several of our little employees. We hire from the local high school to help pack orders. So we're good on that end. It's more just, how do I feel about the designs as they age? So I started designing stuff. I started working with several other designers to kind of increase that level and number of SKUs. And then as we progress, I tend to go back and change things, or I might create more realistic setups or gear representations, or new gear might come out that I want to replace models with. It should be equipment on models with, and I just kind of recycle out old SKUs and then turn them to uh, 3D printing only. That way. Okay. Yeah. So deciding on future ones though, it's kind of a grab bag on whatever I think is cool. I'm not really doing this for like money. I don't, you know, you know what I mean. It's it's like yeah. a fun hobby for me. That's just kind of taken off to a larger scale where I can actually give a lot more time. To it in a creative capacity, rather than actually managing the business and stuff, uh, it's all kind of handled for me with the employees I work with. So when I do designs, I can really be pick and choose from here or there, and a lot of times it's influenced by um, whatever's cool, whatever's <laughs> relevant, whatever uh, whatever has the most broad applicability for games. As Kill Wager is a very kind of I don't want to say model agnostic because it. it, it I prefer you to use wager models fit the, <laughs> the universe a lot better. But if you did want to swap in your Wagner Mercs for, you know, your Ibrahim strategic guys, go for it. Like, it's all about having fun using the models you like, and that's important to me. So I sculpt what I like.
0: All right. Now you made. So let's draw the line from um, the type of rule set, uh, because when you look at rule sets, there's two types. There's the fun hobbyist club environment, and then there's the tournament environment and the big companies always drive their rules to the the tournament environment because they want to sell their models and there's always the the 10 of that community are these alpha buyer alpha gamers or as i call them jerks who like chase armies chase the latest models chase the meta to play and win in these tournaments because they find validation in that somehow um, but the companies feed into that because they know that that 10% is what drives the rest of the market yeah. out there. Kind of like how Apple's smartphones, phones drove Samsung. You go to a touch screen; It's like everyone follows that lead. Um, but you specifically mentioned that you don't like that. So when you were designing rules, how, did, how do you approach the idea of like, I don't want this to be a tournament game. I want this to be a, let's just say a narrative game or a campaign game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Kill is very unique, um, at least from what I've seen. You know, there's always games lurking out there that I haven't heard about. But Kill Wager is very unique in that the core rule set is based around real-life battle drills, real-life maneuvers, and real-life kind of tactics and initiatives you will associate with real-life modern warfare. You know, it doesn't matter if your rifle can aim for you. You still need to get into a good firing position. You know what I mean? So a lot of that kind of core rules make it so that it is tight like uh i don't know if you've ever played war machine hordes but that system is very tight in my opinion like it's very uh you know there are the cards there's a bunch of stuff that goes along with it but the rules do make sense and you have a lot of freedom of choice that has certain outcomes so kill wager is very if you want to say it, alpha gamer competitive tight when it comes to the rules play but it is then kind of diluted with the narrative elements and the asymmetrical gameplay so while you might have those people chasing armies and stuff, the alpha gamers, they're going to be severely disappointed because they're never going to have the complete answer to the question. It's never going to be more uh, I don't know, heavy bolters or you know, the latest space marines. It's going to be actually doing something to my opponent so that I can move models. And maybe I have to avoid the angry locals, which is my favorite go to. You know, there's a couple angry locals that you'll place on the board that'll engage you as well, and maybe pin your guys down oh okay you're uh, gonna
0: have environmental effects because that's been popular lately
1: yeah okay so you're playing kind of against the game itself rather than your opponent a lot of times in that you have to kind of work around the mechanics you're limited to you're never going to be running and gunning you're going to have to plan your stuff in advance and even the squad building asset excuse me aspect of it is very kind of deck building i've had it referred to especially for magic gathering players which i strictly avoid but they say basically you have to prepare for the missions in advance based on the information you're given. But then once you're there, it's all up to you. You can only bring so many of the best weapons you think will work in the environment, but the environment might change. Your opponent might change because you never know what your opponent's actually bringing until you actually see their models with your models.
0: All right. So all right. what die are you looking at using? Are you, are you D6, D10, D20, 2D6? Yep, so or are you using easy. cards?
1: Kill is currently using D10 system, and then D6 and D4 are used to track stats. It's like a countdown? Uh, Similar to that, so we have two things you'll be tracking. Uh, There's two core game modes, core and hardcore, and in in both of them you use a D6 to track your stats. So for example, if you're suppressed, you go to uh, Dice 1, or State 1. Pinned is State 3 and it switches between the two modes. The other difference is hardcore mode will actually use a resource to complete actions rather than just a set amount of actions. And you also spend that resource to make actions of opportunity in response to your opponent making actions. So if you, you know, stay in place, instead of moving, you'll have more resources to maybe use your weapon system in a cyclic mode to pin them down instead of maybe just getting a hip fire snapshot off at them. So it's a strong balance between uh, reaction and opposing like that. Otherwise, there's no tokens or anything required for the game.
0: Okay, I, I appreciate that with the uh, – because I know, like, Kill team, let's say, four hammer, they had tokens in there, and there's a guy locally, he just made a six-sided die with, like, each of the token c- symbols exactly. on the side of the die. So it's like, well, I could carry around this box of um, cardboard, or I can buy 10 of these die. <laughs> And like, I'll just put them next to the guy and flip them as I need them. Exactly. So yeah. uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, well, how, when you're looking at Kill Wager, you got this uh, near future um, aesthetic. How many models are you envisioning each side bring uh, to the game? Like um, I'm sure you'll have like an elite faction and then like the mob faction. <laughs> so what um, minimum to maximum, what are you looking at?
1: Yeah, so Kill Wager actually bucks the trend of army stereotypes in the fact that depending on who is hiring your forces, like which power you're fighting for, and then which PMC you choose, if you want to choose a PMC, your costs are different, and you purchase and acquire equipment based on a model-by-model basis. So a lot of times you'll be playing with usually around three models, but we've had games uh, one to eight models, with eight being the maximum based on how you're getting to the battlefield. So that is using... Um, tunnels or some kind of local uh, force, they would have tunnels pre-deployed, so you bring up to eight guys, whereas most of the other factions, or if you're playing for, like, the state power, you can bring in air support and bring in, like, a four-man Eurocopter or kind of Gazelle setup and fast rope in four guys, but you're capped out of those four guys. So it's all based around how you build your squad. You can always take eight professionals, they just might not have as much gear or uh, support in the form of burn cards and other things.
0: Okay, so... With that in mind, you're going to, when you form a faction, so a lot of your decisions will be made when you actually build out um, your squad. So your team there. Yep. Um, and it sounds like you're steering more towards um, the RPG approach of where you really have to think about what the loadout is going to be of each model and how that's going to relate to the other models uh, before you go in. So there's no real like, um, I guess, min-maxing on uh, the squad factions there now when you i'm interested in this idea by about um outside support. so let's say you have like uh a state-sponsored pmc three guys what kind of um support um are you thinking about like (laughs) ac-130 flying overhead um drones how how far are you pushing this
1: yeah tactical nukes are no (laughs) Uh, So you actually, when you're speaking about Kill Wager here, you have to um, take everything you know about current games and scale and zoom in, zoom in again, zoom in again, zoom in again. This is literally two fire teams with a preset direct action mission, which I'm sure you are familiar with how direct action missions roll. You're going in, you have a set objective, you are picking your gear beforehand. Your preparation level and the battlefield conditions actually affect that, as well as the operational tempo and you're going in with your gear, you know your mission, you pick your guys for it, then you have to deal with everything as you get in. So as a state sponsor, you would have more access to air power as a default. Like if you're playing just a one-off game, the state does have more air power. If you're playing the Executive Outcomes Campaign, which is a series of three games and it's intended to be the kind of baseline, if you wanted to play a tournament with Kill Wager, you would actually play two to three games against an opponent per normal game from another company's game tournament, I guess, you would actually scale that. So you could start with your full state power, benefits of air power and stuff, but maybe the second mission is critical to a success on the battlefield that would then take your powers away before you get to that third mission, and you kind of have to balance it out based on the missions you're playing and the battlefield conditions. It might be a dust storm, you can't insert using fast rope, or you can't call an off-table support. Or for example, the locals, maybe the locals lose support due to something else going on, like they kill uh, civilians in the AO, when you're playing, then the locals would lose their support from the, the locals, I guess. So the locals wouldn't, they'd attack you rather than being friendly to you.
0: Okay. And with that, all right, I'm starting to dive in too get too narrow here. What What's the play area we're talking about? Is this a two by two, a three by three, four by yeah. four? Because with like three guys, you can spend a lot of the game just traveling to the other side of the board on a four by four table.
1: Yeah. So the main play area is a two by two board. And you can bring it up to a four by four if you feel more comfortable playing on that, or if you play at a larger cache level. When you do move up the board size, nothing else changes except for the placement of pre-planned hard points or objectives. For example, rather than being eight inches from the board edge, they're now further in just to balance some things out. And what that comes down to you is how you choose your insertion technique or how you get around. So you have vehicles, you have motorcycle options, or for example, the state power, you can actually fast rope into pretty much any part of the battlefield. You just have to get out.
0: So, you have vehicle options too in there. So, like, um, I I don't know, going through a a bodega, or um, I'm sorry, uh, not bodega, the slums of a uh, South American city, like your four SUV convoy going through there. You could recreate that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So on the recreation side, just to kind of go on a little bit of a side sprint here, Killwager is a a tactical system. So while I do provide game modes, there is a large emphasis on a sandbox mode, where the rules are provided to you. You just have to create your own scenarios. And you can bring in those extra vehicles. You can play with more rules for locals and stuff. And the game actually has a scaling kind of NPC level, where the NPCs will group together or activate to speed things up. But the core matched games, I like to call them try hard and normal people modes, uh, the try hard mode is more limited to one vehicle max in the area of operations uh, and it's part of your squad you bring it with. So you would see, you know, MRAPs to a Subaru WRX or maybe uh, an up armored insertion truck that I've kind of designed previously. Uh, you can drive them <laughs> on, you can engage. They are a huge liability and asset. And if you do lose them through the course of a game, you can't use them in the next missions. And it actually hampers your insertion technique. So you can either dismount or you can drive that bad boy onto the table. And get hizzy with that fifty cal on top.
0: Do you have rules for a white Toyota? Those are pretty popular.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's, it's the it's the light Hilux <laughs> edition. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah so, so. All right. Um, yeah, because some of the stuff you're describing, it can actually picture certain movies. <laughs> exactly. <out there. laughs> yeah. So with Kill Wager, are you looking at you got a near future aesthetic? Do you see people reskinning it or do you have plans for like expansions of where you can set it in uh, certain time periods? Um, so let's say Israel 1970s, uh, Southern Rhodesia, once again 1970s. Anything up?
1: Now?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, You know, people forget the old federation of Northern, Southern Rhodesia, oh, and Nyasaland. <laughs> It's, well, uh, no, it,
1: it's a big discussion in our Discord,
0: okay. Well, when you because when you mention gazelles, I mean, that's not too far from an Aluette 3.
1: Yeah, might even be similar.
0: Yeah, I mean, the same, <laughs> you can I, change the pant, uh, the paint scheme and um, raise the hemline on the shorts, and you'll yeah. be in southern
1: Rhodesia. Yeah, some FALs with the lower <laughs> yeah. insights, um, yeah, so. I, uh, like I said, I design games for, you know, I want to play narrative fun settings, uh, just with the tight rule set. So you could always apply it to using that sandbox mode. The equipment and everything, as I mentioned before, that you will be individually loading guys out with, which I want to touch on that RPG uh, element here soon, but you can limit it by tech level. So for example, tech level one is mostly ultra modern to kind of current day. You could just play with a bunch of guys, you know, heaviest gear is probably body armor and, uh, you know, rifles, or you can set them up as DMRs and you can, you know, play your Israeli or your Rhodesian conflicts. It doesn't get more granular than that right now with the kind of time periods, but the tactics and everything would be pretty much the same, uh, except for, you know, common peel-back maneuvers, which are more modern. Uh, We do have some stuff kind of uh, on the horizon for a more uh, exclusive play style for that, but it wouldn't be anything more than, um, like, expansions. It wouldn't ever be its own game. This is more of a system that we're going to add on to with optional assets, if you will. Um, speaking on the tech level and the gear real quick, the gear is limited basically by what you can carry. Uh, you're never going to be carrying like a ton of stuff. I think you only have like three options tops for your guys. Your uh, packs, if you will, is what we call them. Uh, then everything else from there is actually kind of one-off support plays that will influence that. And then it's up to you, your battle drills, and your uh, risk level to get the job done.
0: All right. So you've already designed into that where this will be kind of a, a modular system of where, like, you take, you can plug and play um, specifics, kind of, kind of like Force on did with the Ambush Alley games, of where, like, they had a core rule book and then they had, like, you know, uh, 1980s Cold Wars, Vietnam, uh, covert missions. And you could add those on to, like, um, just change the flavor of the game. Because I've noticed rule sets either go in two directions where it's a, a very broad core system of where like, well, there's guns that shoot a lot and really far versus ones that are uh, micro focused to like you really feel you're playing in um, this time period in this scenario. But if you try to port it over to any other um, historical uh, or futurist exam, it just wouldn't work. You wouldn't get the feel of it.
1: Kill definitely falls into the uh, more broad term, only based on weapon system choice and everything like that. As I mentioned before, it is designed around modern combat and actual combat systems and capabilities that are present today. So that can be applied back pretty far. I mean, World War II, you're going to be stretching it. Maybe even the Cold War, you're going to be stretching it. But the core rules can expand anywhere from, you know, 30, 40 years ago in the past to, um as you mentioned, your future conflicts. And you can just increase the tech level from there. And then, of course, the battlefield conditions and other variables you'll run into. But there's always going to be the random people in the middle of your uh, area of operations. You know, it's intended for two direct action teams to be going in, um, not as part of a larger operation or maybe as part of a very specific operation so that there's not going to be a whole lot of stuff coming in from the outside.
0: Are you going to have rules rule? Since you're doing near Future, are you going to have big dogs in there? What the little, the, the little, uh, that's the, um, the DARPA iRobot, the little, um, quadruped, um, actually
1: you already got models for those. You
0: do. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I sell some robo dog <laughs>
1: models based off the Boston dynamics bots. Yes. Uh, yeah. The near future is very, um, very relatable near future. It's uh very gritty, low, hard sci-fi. Uh, we're like, like maybe even before the film Elysium, if you've ever seen it by the director. Yes. The yeah, yep. Yep. So maybe even before that, uh, just, it just takes place on a separate planet, but the timeline is pretty much only like 30 years into the future. So it's kind of, kind of relatable, but different scenarios and settings.
0: Well, I think when I was looking at some of the pictures that you have out there, it reminded me of, um, the, uh, army's old program. What was it soldier 21, um, part of the future combat system rollout. Um, I think the French had a version, um, but it's always funny because it's like um, these hard carapace uh, helmets, like full face shields, plates all over. And uh, it's like, this will be ready by 2012. And like you get to 2012, like, well, where's my full coverage helmet?
1: I could barely even get an ACH like cover, you know, my rhino mounts hanging off. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Yeah, it's... um. It's, uh, you know, all the designs, especially for the near future, really stick in mind with my design kind of um, theory, and, you know, they're all very realistic. Even the powered armor suits are very much just based around the, the torso and the legs. You're never going to have very powered arms or anything like that due to just the design and mechanism inconsistencies with that. You know, a lot of the power armor designs would actually just rip your spine in half if you move them wrong <laughs> way without, you know, actual you know, brain, magic, neural, inlink stuff. So it's all based around that. You'll see a lot of those harder carapaces and armored and slanted pieces, you know, to avoid shot traps and to, you know, spalling would just mess you up in real life. So you got to really think about the designs and the game is actually kind of based around that. So even if you are rocking up in what we call modern power armor, which is more of a state level deployment asset, you're going to have a bunch of fancy stuff available to you, you know, thermal vision. You'll be able to, uh, you know, initiate uh, firing patterns and fix guys through walls but you're still going to get pretty messed up if somebody shoots you with a you know a 308 or even a 50 cal will probably still disable you it's nothing really high speed
0: well, as i remember it's not so much the penetration so you can have all the body armor you want but when you get hit and you fly back
1: <laughs> yep, like that, yep. <laughs> that
0: That's and funny. that set sa- when that sappy plate cracks, <laughs> ouch! Yeah, for. So
1: a lot of the the medical system is based around that. I um, if you're more of a gamer guy, a like video gamer guy, I've had people be like, "This is a combination of Titanfall and Escape from Tarkov rolled into one game." So you'll be you'll be moving fast, you know, using maneuvers and stuff. But if you get shot, boy, boy, do you get shot? It's not fun.
0: Yeah. Okay, um, so. Let's spend some time talking about the Kickstarter. So um, this episode will drop the day after it launches. So how about... um, Let's talk about the tiers of like, um, where do you you start off? Do you have like a um, early bird special? Um, And how many tiers do you have? And uh, what's the full meal deal? Because I think I was interested in the fact that uh, Erin with this channel, she's a big 3D printer. So she's got two... um, of the ones that go up uh with the wheels and one of the resin ones, whatever those are. So she's got like a whole room filled with these things. So you're selling both the physical model and the um STLs uh to yep. make these models. Um so I, I'd like to go through like what's the minimum buy? Is there a two-player starter set, a one-player starter set, a rule book option? Uh why don't you walk us through that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, little uh pre-ramble here these are tentative tiers until the 16th now these are exactly locked in but wink wink you know (laughs) they're gonna happen barring you know some catastrophic event we're looking at a minimum buy-in of 25 bucks and that will get you i want this to be as accessible as possible so 25 dollars actually gets you access to what we're calling season one as well as the pdf rules And it's interesting because season one is going to be the first season of the game with three more updates following it. And season one includes just a because it is included with every pledge. I'm going to go run through what season one includes. Season one gets you access to all the full rules that are in addition to the rule book for the season. So you'll have four months of updates. You'll have the full access to the squad builder online, which is a fully pre-programmed squad builder. So you can add in all your assets and stuff based on who you're fighting for, what tech level, and it'll print it out for you so you don't have to kind of mess with that stuff. It also comes with access to our how to play videos, our battle reports, our R-rated battle reports, where we get a little off the chain with things. And then of course, some content where I do talk about the background to Kill Wager with some fun little animations and live action videos, where I'm mostly just wearing a ski mask and talking too (laughs) close to the microphone. But it's a very fun kind of interactive thing that comes with it. And in addition to that, you also get access to, as part of season one, uh, print at home, uh, anything you need to pr- uh, play the game at home, so printable assets, and STL files. So if you are buying that digital PDF, you will get STL files with it, as will every pledge. So you get STLs to print objectives, equipment, anything that isn't directly models but is part of the game. That way, even people over in Spain can play with the uh, cool, not, not specifically Spain, but anywhere, can play with the cool hardpoint models we're designing and the equipment and stuff and not feel like they have to buy one of the Killwager packs to get the equipment models. So, anything essential to the game is included with that $25 pledge and all the digital access.
0: Uh, that's me. So, since you have the objectives, are you, let me ask you just jump ahead here. Are, are you going to have terrain? Are you going to have your future theme terrain? Yeah, I'm
1: sorry. So, that's classified as a run? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we very, very, very tentatively, very tentatively, we have some designers in mind we have been working with. Um, While well, I do have the resin casting and production locked in after a year of doing this, uh, MDF is my main go-to for terrain i'm not a big 3d printed terrain guy so i do want quality pre-primes you know nice terrain and we are talking to some people about that yeah so objectives everything are available with that season pass which every pledge gets yeah and the digital rules as well
0: what's the next step up from that like you're uh you're moving from mcdonald's to panera what's your move? Yeah.
1: So $35, and this is where you start getting into the early bird special. So $35 gets you a full-color rule book, and that's Season 1 access, so you get all the things from the, the $25 level, like the PDF and the um, STL files and everything. And in addition to this, you get the early bird special, which is uh, a specific auditor model, and auditors are kind of non-combatant FAPs, you know, fighting-age persons, or you know, fighting-age male if you want to go out on a limb like that. And so you get a special edition auditor who is very nice. He is very on-brand, wearing a ski mask. And uh, it's like a limited edition run model for the first 48 hours. In addition to that $35 pledge, you get that rule book. And you also get the objectives in physical form and the equipment for physical form. So if you just pick up the rule book, you'll get that special guy and everything you need to play right away uh, at the $35 level.
0: That's an insanely small jump in price. For the change yep. to a physical rulebook,
1: we uh, we got really lucky with a couple of things, and we're able to get it out there. We have a, you know, as I mentioned, this is mostly for fun. I don't need this to support my income in any way, and I just want to help out veterans. As you know, actually, we still are donating ten percent of these proceeds from the Kickstarter. Uh, that's a big follow through with it, and anything I can do to sweeten the deal to get more people to jump on not only increases the size of the game, but also helps those guys out. Um, not as a main selling point, just as in addition to.
0: Uh, what's what's after the $35 level? Yes
1: So now we get into the the, the badass near future models. So um, <laughs> at the $35 level, we have the rule book and everything. Now we jump into several tiers. So we have a, a $45 tier, which is going to be the digital PDF, and this is our digital entry level. So you get the digital PDF uh, reward tier and you get a set of STL files of modern miniatures. These are completely new ones. Nobody's seen them before. It's a set of contractors. They are realistically geared out. They are carrying several weapon systems. They will have swappable heads. And then of course, there's several female models in there um, as well for the contractor. So it's a contractor team, STL plus season one access, which is all the STL files and stuff. So you could actually just print two of those squads and print the objectives. You got the PDF, you're ready to play. You just need dice. And then going from there, go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say, you're not selling your own uh, special enemy spotted studios exclusive dice.
1: No, no, not yet, at least. I've, I've actually had people ask for the, the, the goon symbol, the logo on there. Yeah, that's
0: what I was expecting, because that seems like what everyone throws in. Oh, and here's some dice.
1: Yeah, no, no, I want I want everything to be, you know, I want it to be useful. I'm not a I'm not a fat kind of guy. I like to trim everything off. I want it to all be useful and fun like that. So while you do get that bonus kind of model, he is useful in the game. It's an auditor. <clears throat> From the $45 tier, we go to $65, which will get you... Um, This is physical now, so once again, a little bit more of a price jump, but we are offering more with it. You get everything from that $35 tier, so the physical rule book, uh, anything that comes with that, and all the season one access, and now you get your choice of either a set of US Army Rangers, which are very modern, very kitted out. They have the the cry pants and all the kind of high speed things, the flip out ear pro, stuff like that. So you get six models there, or you can choose to get the near future version of it, which is a Merc box and an auditor and the equipment and the objectives and everything like that. And Merc Boxes are one of four choices. You get your choice, and they are from the different private military corporations that are present on this future planet, uh, which I'll refer to as Able right now. And there's the four different factions with the four different kind of gear and kits and everything like that. And that is an entire army, so you can use those four models in any play level. And it also comes with an auditor to play the game. And, of course, the early bird auditor as well. So.
0: That's the $65 tier. Now that's, a, that's probably where, I think for me, that's where I start looking. It's like, where do I get the most physical models in a rule book?
1: Exactly. exactly. So that is a very enterable point. It's a little higher than I would have wanted to get in there, in my personal opinion. But we are offering a lot with it, especially the Season 1 content. So I felt like it was a little more appropriate, especially when it comes to the U.S. Army Rangers, which are very, very nice models that will be Kickstarter exclusive. And I'm a big fan of them. And I worked with a couple of guys from the 75th and, uh, to make them real, real accurate
0: well so what's what's the full meal deal the all-in full meal. You, want
1: it, you want it all man
0: yeah it's like all the crazy stuff they gonna like decals things. no one uses
1: oh yeah so <laughs> so um just going up real quick we'll gla- uh, we'll glaze by it we'll blaze by it um how many chairs head.
0: do you have Jeez,
1: is this too many i was <laughs> yeah. well eight.
0: well <laughs> i, I mean,
1: what do we have two physical two digital that's not bad
0: Okay, so that's how you're breaking it down. There's yeah. you can go the virtual route. There's four buy-ins at the virtual route. Four buy-ins at the physical route. Okay.
1: Yeah. So going there from there, we have the 121, which is the like entry-level thing. So you will get a physical book, you'll get two Merc boxes, you'll get two set, you'll get two auditors now, one for each player. So this is like a two-player starter box kind of dealio. And in addition to that, you'll also get the interdiction suites, which are large unmanned uh, combat drone units on 55 millimeter bases. And then you also get the equipment objectives, and at the 120 level, we'll provide dice and any assets that we unlock using the stretch goals. Uh, of course, the $65 level will get stretch goals as well, but um, the, uh, the 120 one is more specific ones. And then from there, we have the I Love Kill Wager $300 one, which is four Merc boxes, two sets of drones, and all the stretch goal add ons. Plus, you get a badass challenge coin, which has the Kill Wager logo on it. And yeah. <laughs> That's the, that's the only extra <laughs> exclusive thing you get is the Kill Wager challenge coin because who doesn't love a challenge coin?
0: <laughs> Add it to the stack. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. So it's it's uh, very cool. But the $300 level is, you know, you get everything, including the stretch goals added to it. And the stretch goals do include some pretty badass models uh, that you won't be seeing uh, elsewhere. And, yeah. And, of course, there's the wild $1,500 one where I'll actually sculpt you as a celebrity mercenary and put rules for you in the game. So you... jump on.
0: <laughs> you know what? I always, I always thought that was like a crazy option until like the BattleTech Kickstarter. Yeah. How many people? What was it like ten, thirty thousand dollars, and you get yep. to become part of the canon and the artwork? And it's like, I actually met a guy. It's like if he wasn't married, he'd, <laughs> he'd be in BattleTech yeah. right now.
1: <laughs> so it's actually a very popular product. I I do commission work occasionally, and I have people all the time. Like, hey, can you put my head on? you know, some ultra modern high speed looking operator, dude, I'm like, sure, man, this isn't how you look when you airsoft, but we'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) So, but it's, it's, it's up there if somebody wants it. So we've got the, we've got the, the rule book, digital, the physical rule book, then we've got the uh, digital starter, the physical starter, then the physical 120 two player starter box. And then the 300, I want it all. And the 1500, I want to be part of this.
0: That that still gets it. You know what? I could see people doing it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's way more common than you'd expect I love doing it because they send these awful selfies And I have to like work off of them oh, you know? But geez. it's fun, it's fun, I like them
0: <laughs> Well, let me ask you What do you in? like Tinkercad Or Fusion 360 What do you
1: yeah, use? I use ZBrush exclusively ZBrush, okay yeah, ZBrush and then Blender for anything that's real hard surface Or if I have to remake weapon models and stuff
0: Yeah, that, okay So that, yeah, that's what my My wife uses those so like, cause she swaps files back and forth, depending yep, yep. on like how you have to manipulate it. Okay, so you're, this is like no joke, when you sculpt this, you're you're sculpting like a real professional. This isn't just you know, yeah sure, I'll throw something in, yeah free software.
1: Yeah no, I joke about um, I joke about you know this isn't like super income like level to me serious but I do take the creation of it and the actual detail and everything very seriously. I want to provide the best product possible, but to me it's not mandatory that it has a wide audience and stuff like that. But when, I, when people buy my stuff, I want them to be getting premium, like what they get.
0: Well, if you're, if you're using ZBrush, that's a commitment
1: right there. Yeah. That is a wild, wild program.
0: <laughs> so when Let's talk about some of the risk of the Kickstarter. So you don't actually manufacture in-house. You outsource um, a lot of this stuff. And I've noticed, um, especially once, uh, Kickstarters always had an issue with delivering. But once the COVID hit, um, I've seen some Kickstarters hit major uh, delays, like worst case scenario on some of their risk statements. Um, What are you looking at the delivery timeline uh, for once I put the money down? Onto kill wager. When can I expect?
1: Yeah. uh, So the first tranche. No, absolutely. So that's been a big part of it is, um, you know, I don't like to reference it to the military, but I'm very military focused when it comes to getting stuff done and planning backwards. So we actually have everything ready to go within 30 days of the Kickstarter ending. We have. No, I know you're lying. No, 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 no. (laughs) No, I actually actually do. We have a lot of the products already made, we have like a a contingency uh, amount made. And depending on orders, we can always add to it. So we have basically like a a pre-made level created, ready to rock. We have everything sorted out already. I've already, you know, uh, adjusted schedules for a couple of employees we'll work with. So we have the extra time to do it. The rule books are the only thing that is currently not physically in my hand. And that's because it's going through a formatting and an illustration pass. And then it'll be printed. It'll start actually being printed mid-Kickstarter, depending on how it's going. And then they have like a two-week turnaround. So we're looking for... 30 days, everything physically ready, uh, 60 days to have everything shipped out. We're trying to avoid that holiday season, especially for those poor European guys, because you know how shipping goes overseas already. We don't want it to get even more wrecked. We're very on top of our social media and content. I'm a big social media guy coming from the marketing and ad agency world, so I will be in complete contact with everybody, making video updates, making jokes, sending pictures, showing what's going on, especially for the stretch goals, because I don't like being uninformed, I don't like failing delivery, and I sure as hell as a consumer don't like being under-delivered too, so that is a big promise for the Kickstarter, and we are going to be on top of it as possible.
0: So, let me ask you, because one of my favorite things to do is, um, since you're an existing company, and you have um, an existing catalog, um, if you go into on Kill Wager, will you be able to buy the rest of your items from uh, your existing studio, like your so all your Wagner guys? Um, since you already sent me a box, is there an option there to buy, you know, not kill wager stuff that you make?
1: Hell yes. So we actually have an option within it that once it is funded and everybody's confirmed going to get their stuff, we will reach out to everybody individually, give them a code and they can purchase products with free shipping using their individualized code. And I will add it to their kill wager boxes, depending on the size of it and everything else.
0: That's outstanding. Okay. (laughs) That's the next thing I look for is like, can I get everything else instead of making a second order?
1: We had a bunch of, so I actually run a subscription program called the pack and you can join the pack on the enemy spotted studios website at www.enemyspottedstudios.com eight bucks a month. You get free shipping on orders over $20 and you also get a free miniature every month plus access to certain discontinued products and print on demand. So a lot of European guys are, I think I've like a hundred or 200 of them that are part of the pack that buy products to get the free shipping and they're like, Hey, can I use this for the free shipping? Well, they're part of it. So they want to use it. Yeah. Um, actually, if you're part of the pack, you will get discounted shipping on the kill wager Kickstarter. So if you are like in Europe or whatever, you're worried about shipping on the kill wager Kickstarter, you can join the pack and I'll work with you to discount the shipping based on weight and everything as well as send more products your way.
0: So, cause I was looking at the, the pack, um, options, uh, yesterday, um, so the the free miniature is that just um, a grab bag like what what you were feeling then or is it going to be aligned with different factions in kill wager so are you gonna jump time periods um, that's why I was looking at what what's the usability of those uh, exclusive miniatures Yeah, so that's so probably what interested me I, so eight I, bucks a month and you're gonna send me a miniature every month like okay yeah,
1: yeah so it's it's pretty slick deal um, I have some examples of previous the pack miniatures below on the website page but I try to keep it <clears throat> very broad, so most recently we had an attached agent, and it was a female, you know, rocking jeans, knee pads, body armor, mag kit, and you could get her either near future where she had a Inyani helmet, which is the larger kind of quad eye helmets with the radio antenna, and she had some more moder- or near future gear, including an arrow bursting AK. And then the other version of her was modern, where she had the combat battle bun, you know, ear pro, eye pro, and a P90. So you could mix and match to whatever faction or setting you wanted it to. And then future releases are actually going to be one or two models with head options to make the near future or modern and weapon options as well. Because we are now moving to a completely weapon customizable and head customization, wow, customizing option.
0: Well, let me ask you about, so with the um, head options, are these miniatures going to be in metal and you're going to send me metal heads? So I get out the little files or is this resin or plastic?
1: Yeah. So they, uh, they're either a mix of cast resin or 3d printed parts. And the 3d printed parts are going to be uh, the same quality as the cast resin. We're actually 3d printing using our prototyping printers, our master printers. So you don't have to worry about a quality loss between the casts and the 3d printed parts. And the heads are all going to be resin. So you can, cut the sides of the neck and actually tilt the heads inside of the neck sockets so you can actually achieve aiming down sight looks or, you know, cheek contact on the weapon system's butts and other things like that. Very poseable heads. You just have to modify them a little bit.
0: Okay. Uh, so once this Kickstarter launches and you've got a very aggressive timetable on it, but you have referenced season one, are you looking at using Kickstarter for like season two, season three, season four? As a way to introduce each um, range of products? Uh...
1: No. So the seasons are all uh, digital updates released alongside products on the web store. So you will be able to get the seasonal updates and then, if you want, purchase any of the new products. But none of the products that come out in later seasons will kind of invalidate or be must haves. You know, it's not going to be a new unit, right? It's not going to be a new rule set with those models. It's just going to be digital updates to the rules, new missions, and it'll actually advance the story arc for the game based on how players submit their battle reports in Season 1. So Season 1 is all about kind of the breakdown of law and order on the new planet. The UN's losing control, and state powers are now showing up, not in force, but they have their private military corporations, like, for example, Manticore is very similar to Vagna, if you will, and they are currently kept off planet by the UN because the UN knows they're Russian backed. But maybe season two, depending on the battle reports from season one that players submit using the special story arc missions, maybe Wagner all of a sudden and the Manticore are now on planet and doing direct actions on the planet itself.
0: All right, so you mentioned something about um, people in the community submitting battle reports to like drive uh, the trajectory of your seasons. Um, how involved is that going to be? That I think I've only, what games workshops done that a couple times of where like people play games and they submit scores and then they secretly modify the scores to fit the story arc they've already built.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's not going to be anything like that. It's a very free flowing narrative. Uh, basically we're going to take anybody that wants to can submit their battle reports with some pictures or even a video. A little bit of background never hurts, like, you know, writing in character. Basically, we're going to take it and as a team, look at each of the battle reports that come in and be like, wow, this guy got totally spanked in this game. You know, maybe we'll modify it from there. It's not going to be a point system or like your faction does better. It's only going to influence the missions and the fluff of the next seasonal update. So as I mentioned, Wagner might all of a sudden be deployed on the surface. That means, or excuse me, Manticore. <laughs> Manticore <Sorry. laughs> would be deployed on the on the surface of the planet. Maybe they would all of a sudden now have access to ground vehicle insertion for the next seasonal storyline missions only. It wouldn't affect match play or whatever you want to call the try-hard modes.
0: All right. So um, as as you expand the models in the future, you're just going to add those to your standard catalog. Um And you're just using Kickstarter just to launch it this one time and then you'll just grow it organically from there.
1: Okay. We're going to, yeah, that's the main plan. Just get it off the ground. Um, You know, it's not a huge, huge, huge investment. It's a lot of fun for us. Uh, We love doing it. uh, And it's not like we need um, an enormous amount of cash to get things rolling. So the continued purchases and the model updates are our main business plan going forward rather than Kickstarter where you have a lot of, um, know, variability with it. It's a lot more marketing rather than marketing to an already existing audience, which is much easier. And of course, you can um, get more money because Kickstarter takes a percentage of it. Okay. Yep.
0: So, because I think what's interviewing you, different from most people I talk about, you're your own sculptor. So most, and that seems to be the big challenge for a lot of uh, small companies is like um, developing that uh, the sculpting file is like uh, having the artistic eye and the comfort with the programming to actually like build the sculpting because as talked to other games, it's like, well, I can make a rule book, but I really don't want to make miniatures or I can make miniatures, but I can't sculpt them. So you're from the angle of like, well, I can sculpt miniatures all day long. So I just need people to make them. And then I guess, you know, do the rule books. So that seems to give you a lot more independence and control um, as you manage your company.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's way more fun. I love the sculpting <laughs> part of it. You know, a lot of the rules actually come from influence in, in the sculpting. And when I do work with outside sculptors or like third party sculptors, I'm usually delivering them assets I've already made, and like, hey, I just need some help uh, posing these guys. So like, if I have a deadline or something, I'll go ahead and you know send a kit out and uh, have them pose it. I'll do some reviews, make some touch ups, then we can work from there. So it's a very kind of one man design band. And then I can also uh, you know, extrapolate from there and get help if I need it. Otherwise, everything stays very focused. We have our own assets created, so nothing's out of scale or whack when it comes to it. I know certain companies like Guns are bigger on male models than female models and stuff like that. We don't run into those issues due to that consistency in sculpting. And um, yeah, everything's outsourced for production. And I, you know, sometimes I jump in and help out with production as well.
0: Well, I should probably ask you this earlier on. It made more sense in the flow. But let me... Let me ask you, does the sculpting drive the rules, or does the rules that you've made drive the sculpt?
1: I'd like to say it's the uh, rules driving the sculpting, but realistically, you know, when I'm designing a lot of these sculpts, especially for the near future, I'm thinking about the design of the unit, its purposes and stuff like that. I mentioned the power armor before, you know, you don't have upper armor, you don't have upper body locomotion from your armor, just in the hips and the legs, so... I designed the, you know, Upiane chassis, the power armor chassis like that, where just a ton of armor laden on a kind of hip and torso system, they used to have the stabilized rule, meaning they could make a move action, like they could make up to two inches move and then fire their weapon at full capacity, uh, they no longer had that, because I'm like, you're not stabilized, you're just a bigger guy in armor, you know, so design influences rules back and forth like that because that design is based on reality and the rules I'm trying to stick to as realistic as possible when it comes to uh, interactions.
0: All right. So we're coming up on the end of our time here. Is there anything else you want to put out there or mention before we sign
1: off? Uh, no. Just check out Kill Wager come September 16th. And check out EnemySpottedStudios.com, supporting Mission 22 and other fights against veteran suicide uh, check out some more miniatures crstls uh hit me up if you have any suggestions i love hearing it follow us on the social medias check out more miniature wargaming labs here
0: well which social medias are you on because you're uh, you're on I, I found you on facebook um yep. a while so
1: ago facebook we have instagram for both kill wager and enemy spotted studios Where I'll oftentimes post designs and stuff and then we are on youtube with a lot of battle reports and stuff hobby content and creation like that. And I also do live streaming where oftentimes you'll see me actually take my shirt off and wave my rifle around because I'm showing you how muscles work when you're holding guns and sculpting. <laughs> Very informational, <laughs> informational streams, in all honesty, though. I get a lot of good feedback on them. Any Discord? I don't use it, but I know. Yeah, okay. no, we got a Discord for Enemy Spotted Studios. You can find that pretty much everywhere, the link. And then we have a Discord for Kill Wager, which will be opening up to the public when everything goes through. And we walk away with hundred grand. <laughs> Just kidding. It'll come out before that. Yeah.
0: yeah put that on your, uh, stretch goal, a hundred grand. Yeah, at, 100, <laughs> at, at 50
1: grand, I'll clean my house too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, uh, outstanding. Well, Julian, thank you for uh, joining us at uh miniature wargaming labs and, uh, to everyone listening, uh, take a look at this it it, it does seem i'm i'm probably in probably at the 120 that's normally where i stick oh at at kickstarters
1: probably in. what can i do sweeten the deal sculpt the face on a (laughs) well a a robot i've
0: i've got to look at the 300 when i actually see pictures so by the time this comes on and you know i always look at the early bird special i'm i'm normally that guy that like an hour before the kickstarter ends i'll like okay i'll pull the trigger because it's like i i have to have that cool down otherwise um, I wouldn't have a house anymore oh. just from, the, <laughs> from the Kickstarter. So I it's like, that. uh, watch the launch and I think about it. Okay. Last hour, but you've, you've made a pretty compelling case. It's, it's hit what I'm looking for. Cause I, I have to admit the idea that you've already had stuff made for it is what I look for in a Kickstarter. Yep. Um, cause I know some people put Kickstarters out there and they have concept art sketches and oh, say, we'll no. deliver in six months. And no, you're not.
1: No, we've got, we've got, (laughs) we've got painted model photos and everything ready to rock.
0: That, 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 that pleases me. And heck from what you're even your $35 entry, that, that is a surprisingly good deal for a physical rule book of like, okay, I have models. I'm going to be model agnostic 35 bucks. I mean, that's half of a primaris, uh, squad
1: right now. One of your previous podcasts and your friend on there mentioned, uh, you know, oh, there's only three books coming out this year, so I only have to spend, you know, a couple hundred bucks on books for Warhammer. I was like, whoa! (laughs) Don't think that way here, Yeah, I get it, I get it.
0: (laughs) It's all in perspective.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm glad you're into it. Uh, It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Uh, It's going to be really, really loud and on brand, and not everyone's going to like it, and that's okay.
0: Well, outstanding. Sweet. Well, Julian, thanks for joining us at Miniature Wargaming Labs. And to everyone out there, we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you so much. Bye.